I'm going to turn to Genesis chapter 1 and have that open. Genesis chapter 1. Okay. <laughs> That's okay. Praise God. Just have that open before you. About 20 years ago or so, I lived in Cardiff, and at the back of my house was a, 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 a set of railway sidings where trains park up when they're not in use or even if they're waiting to go into Cardiff City. So there was many of them, maybe 20 or 30 railway lines, and my kitchen window looked out onto that. And every time you went to the back of the house, there would be maybe, you know, 5, 10, 15, 20 trains either sitting or slowly passing through or parked. But that's not all that was there. Day after day, there would be these people with little books standing whether it was raining, snowing, freezing, boiling, these guys would be standing there taking down the numbers of the trains, train spotters. And I used to go out and be making a cup of tea and see them in the lashing rain. So I'm thinking, man alive, are you not bored stiff doing that, you know? My wife here, she can't see what I see in snooker. I love snooker, I understand snooker, but if you don't understand it, I can understand why you might think that's boring. Or cricket. I don't know what they're doing on that pitch. They just stand there, right? <laughs> Boredom is something that affects everybody in some way. In Christian terms, it's what we call a root problem. And this is important, folks. Boredom is a root problem for believers. That's you included. For me included. All of us. And let me explain what I mean by that. There are roots and there are fruits. Some sins, some problems manifest, but the manifestation is very different from the root. Okay? So there are roots and there are fruits. Boredom is a root. I'll give you a few examples. We worked with people who were addicted to heroin for many years. And typically, this is a story that has been repeated a million times over, sadly, around the world. You take someone in, you begin to work with them. Maybe it's a man who's separated from his wife and his children. He's sleeping in a doorway. He's injecting heroin every day. He's facing jail terms. Life is a complete disaster. And you rescue this guy. You bring him in. You bring him through cold turkey. You, he's set free. All the drugs are gone. He goes back home. Gets back with his wife. Back with his children. Sort out the court cases. And he's got his whole future ahead. A few weeks go by. What happens? He takes drugs. And you would go to these guys or these girls. Time after time. And you would sit and you would talk to them. And you would say, now what on earth was it? Man, you had everything. You lost everything. And God gave you everything back. Now what? on earth was so powerful that you walked away from all that how did it happen tell me your story and that's where you need to get down to the root person after person after person after person they would say well I went and used heroin yeah but why well blah 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 yeah but why and ultimately if you strip it back to the core they'll come out with it I was bored it was an evening. I was sitting at home. And I just felt that I had nothing to do. I got bored. And you see, boredom 
if not recognized, if left unchecked, unmonitored, drives people to sin. Correct? I think this is a common Christian problem. We need to see it. For lack of knowledge, people perish. And you can trip over the same thing a thousand times if you don't recognize it. Do you know what boredom does? It gnaws away at you. It eats away at you. This goes for anything. It goes, it's almost like a form of temptation, you know? Box of chocolates on the shelf. I'm not going to eat them. I'm not going to eat them. I'm not going to eat them. And it gnaws away. And you see that chocolate. Oh, well, I'll just have one, right? And boredom's the same. My mother used to say, and you will have heard this a thousand times, the devil makes work for idle hands. And he does. He makes not just work for idle hands. He makes work for idle minds. Plenty of work. Right? Will wind you up. The devil makes work for idle Christians. And I don't think there's any actual limit to this. You get five young lads sitting at home in London or wherever. Bored. So they decide to go out for a walk or whatever in their local area. One of them grabs a knife. Just in case, you know, puts it in his pocket, as they do, and they go for a walk. Makes him feel good, makes him feel tough. So they're sitting on a wall and they're bored. And somebody walks by, looks at them funny, turns into a fight, somebody dead. And the social workers go in, you see, and they, they try to get the root cause. But they tend to look at the fruit and not the root. Boredom is a very, very serious issue. I just want to tease out one or two things about it today. Firstly, in Genesis chapter 1 and verse 26, look at this. Genesis chapter 1 and verse 26. Then God said, let us make man in our image, in our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the air, over the livestock, over all the earth and over all the creatures that move along the ground. In other words, God gave man a very important task, a purpose, an aim. I want you to notice something here. Get the picture. Here's Adam in the Garden of Eden, and God has given him a task in life. He is totally fulfilled. He's totally healthy. He's totally happy, right? He's not bored. Not bored at all. In fact, there's no room, there's no sense there's no possibility at this point, if you like, in that way of him, in, the, in this pre-sin state, of boredom being a possibility. It was sin that made it a possibility. Right? So Adam, under that covering of God, in relationship with God, is totally happy, totally fulfilled. But look at what happens next. You see, the devil came along and tempted Adam to leave his element. God is Adam's element. A fish's element is the sea. A bird's element is the air. Your element is <laughs> your element is God. You were made to be in God. And outside of that element, you will have no life. And you see what happened there was simply the devil conned Adam. A snake that rolled into that garden. You know the story. And basically began to, to deceive Adam. That there was greater freedom outside of his element. And nothing is new under the sun, folks. It's exactly the same today. The devil still approaches you and promises you all kinds of things. Freedoms. But it's a lie. And it does not lead to life and freedom. It leads to death and bondage. Put it like this. 
Let's say there's a goldfish bowl. And that's you swimming around in the world there. Your little world is, there you are. You're quite happy. Round and round you go. Well, the devil would walk up and start to talk to you about your world. That's a very small bowl you're in there. <laughs> round and round, it's like living in a goldfish bowl. Right? And begin to talk to you and try to deceive you. Do you know what you should do? Jump out and be free. Be free like I'm free. You don't have to stay in there. Who put you in there? And the insinuations of so-called freedom go on and they gnaw and gnaw away until the fish starts to think, hey, it is a pretty small bowl. Bump, bump. I think I will get out of here. And it starts to one day decide, I'm going to go for it. And it spins round and round, builds up enough speed. Yippee! Plunk. And the promise is not, it's a deception, right? Does the fish find freedom? The fish finds exactly what Adam found. Death. Death. You see, boredom entered the world when sin entered the world. In that pre-fall state, there was no such thing as boredom in Adam's mind. He was utterly fulfilled in God. And that's the life that God has promised for you. It's called life in all its fullness. A life of adventure for all of us. But of course, there's certain sacrifices that we must make in order to have that in your life. God has got to be number one in your life. Not number two. I think she prophesied this on Friday night. God must have number one place in your life. And if he does, you can then enter into that exciting life which is promised. We'll look at that in a moment. Look at Genesis chapter one again. And look at verse 31 about what God said the garden was like. Genesis 1:31. God saw all that he had made and it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning, the sixth day. Now, you'll often hear if something was good, somebody says, so-and-so said it was good, so it must have been good, you know? Well, if God says that what he made in the Garden of Eden was good, I reckon it was extremely good. Very, very good. But I want to ask... Uh, pay close attention a moment. It's an important question. What was good? What was it that was good? And I want you to see the simplicity of what was good. What was actually good was a believer, if you like, alone with God. That's it. That's it. There was nothing else. And God looked and saw this creature, this man, and himself, and he says, now that is real. Good. And the trouble with the church, and you'll see why in a moment, is often that's not what we call good. What do you call good, Christian? Does it take 15 worship bands? Does it? What does it take? You see? What, you know, what kind of a highway have we got ourselves on? Does it take a mass crusade before you will say that something is good? Or for the lost? For the world, what does the world call good? It was a rock concert, bottle of vodka, a few e-tablets, what? What's good? Because that's an important point, crucial point. Because in the Garden of Eden, what God said was good was man alone with God. That's it. Listen carefully. When sin entered Adam, it destroyed his ability 
to enjoy the simple things of life. When sin, see, there was nothing in Adam. The devil had nothing on him. And because there was nothing in him, Adam had great joy out of simplicity. Great peace. But as soon as sin got in him, sin destroys your ability to enjoy the simple things of life. In fact, it's a sad sight, you know. Some Christians, very, very quickly, what happens is the only thing they can get pleasure out of is sin. Right? When they take the wrong road in life. When sin dominates your life, you will not want to come to church. You don't want to be around Christians. Don't want to go to prayer meeting. Don't want to go to cell group. Because there's something in you. And these two worlds are almost repulsive, aren't they? Right? When sin dominates, you will not want fellowship. You won't want to spend time with your family. You won't enjoy those simple things. As I say, very quickly, I'm talking about Christians. Very quickly, if you take a wrong turn, the only thing you'll get pleasure out of is sin. And you will have lost the taste for the kingdom. It's a very simple point. But first and foremost point this morning, because Adam sinned, he lost his ability to enjoy the simple things of life. And the conclusion is, if you can't enjoy the simple things, you're going to get, you're going to get bored. And this same trick, this same trap, Christ, uh, trips up Christian after Christian after Christian. It worked again with one girl who was on heroin. We worked with her for quite some time. Her and her husband actually were both doing very well. And we were working with them, praying with them, counseling them very regularly. And they were coming along to our church. And she had a baby and came through all that. And they were doing great. I was very pleased with them. But a couple of months after she had the baby, she pushed the chair, the pushed chair in and sat down. She was having a cup of tea and she looked stressed out. And I remember she was a very honest woman. She turned to me and she said, you know what? I get no pleasure from this child at all. None. It means nothing to me. All I want is heroin. That was one of the most tragic statements that a woman could ever make. But such is the damage of sin that it destroys your ability to enjoy the normal pleasures of life, the good things of this world. It is the ultimate deception. Amen? In fact, you know what? Again, listen closely. The true measure of your spirituality is not if you need 10 worship songs and a massive crusade to say that it's good for you. That's not the measure. The true measure of true spirituality is when you're content. When it's enough. When the garden is enough, you alone with God. But the truth is, most Christians, many Christians, lose that simplicity from their lives. And it always takes something else. I'm sorry to use Jeanette as an example all the time, but she's the best example I've got <laughs> in many areas. I really mean that. She still remains in so many areas the best example I can find. She never has lost, ever, never. It's one of the things I love most about her. She never lost her love for simple things. Don't say that's why she married me, please. Thank you. <laughs> I'll say it before you do. She never lost her love of simple things. <laughs> Dangerous statement. But she hasn't. She gets great joy in the simple things of life. We're walking down, you know, Sucky Hall Street or something. And she goes, look. I say, what, what? It's a plane. 
Look, I'm thinking, Jeanette, stop it. You think I'm joking? I'm absolutely serious. But that kind of, of simple enjoyment comes from where? Comes from time at home where she can go into the dining room or whatever and close the door at one o'clock and four or five hours go by and she thinks she's been in there one hour. Oh, it's five, five o'clock already. Yeah, it's five o'clock. Cool. What happened in there? It was good in there. That's what it was. Have a look in the dining room. There's nothing in there. Just a window. Bible. But it was good in there. Simple, very simple. But boredom can trip you up. Boredom can trip me up. And I need to see the root of it, not just the fruit of it. The first thing that Adam lost was his appreciation of the simplicity of God. His appreciation for his relationship with God. The second thing he lost, equally important, was he lost his focus and he lost his job. God gave him a job there, didn't he? Adam, I give you dominion over the planet. I give you work to do. But when Adam sinned, he handed the keys of the world over to Satan. He lost his job. Lost his focus. And so that, again, it led to boredom, utter boredom. He was unemployed, as it were. Right? Now, what is your focus? And I know we have many professionals here. That's absolutely fine. No problem to get your degree, your qualification, or advance your career. Please do. Not an issue. As long as it's not first. That's all. And Adam, definitely God fell from first place, right? You need a focus, you see, friends. Every human being. It's the way we're made. God has made you just like that. Have you ever seen a pigeon? You see the way a pigeon walks? A pigeon puts its head out, puts its leg forward, and then comes back for the other leg. And then brings the other leg. Do you know why it does that? Because a pigeon can't focus. We've got no focus. The eyes look in opposite directions. You're not made like that. God has made you to be able to concentrate and focus. It's on Him. Right? And it's no problem, as I say, having many tasks in life. We all do. It's just important that at all times, you know that you know that you know that you know God is number one. God is my chief focus. All these other things are just attendant to my life. There are things that I do in my life. But you need to move mountains to make sure it stays that way. Because the way you're made, you must have a goal. You have to have it, I'm afraid. Put it like this. Say there was two football teams playing quite happily on a football pitch. And say I went in there and I uprooted the goal posts and I took them away. Those teams, you know, they were, hey, put my post back. No. What are they going to do? I'll make my own. And that is exactly what people do when God loses the chief place in their lives. You make your own goals, friends. I will make my own goal if he is out of focus. If he's out of the number one spot. And that is exactly what they will do. Very quickly, they will get their bags, they'll get their coats, and they will make a goal. And we do the same, people do the same, whether it's money, whether it's a career, a relationship, power, people. Individuals do the same and indeed churches do the same when they lose their focus on God and ministries almost become the number one thing. You know, a ministry of a specific church and you can't make that mistake. Jesus always had his father number one. Always. 
the ministry never overtook. Or another goal was never his goal, if you know what I mean. Even right up to the cross, remember, he came to earth to go on the cross. It was his ultimate, you know, goal on earth. But even right at the last moment, he said, Father, if this cup can be taken from me, that's fine. Because after all, I'm only here to do your will. Even to the very end, he, did, he knew exactly what he was doing and why. And there's a book in the Bible actually written all about this point called the book of Ecclesiastes, where the wisest man who ever lives warns us not to have any other goal in your life other than God. So very simple, I know, but nonetheless very profound. Sin causes Christians, human beings, full stop, to lose their appreciation for the simple things of life. And if you lose your appreciation for the simple things of life, you're going to get bored very quickly. And then it's going to take ever-increasing highs to please you. You'll end up on the wrong road. Come back here this morning. Come back to the simplicity of God. Now, your last point there, is there an answer? You are a descendant of Adam. So Adam's condition after he had sinned was that boredom was in him. And you and I are descended from him. I'm afraid that we call it original sin, by the way. So you're born with something in you, as Pastor Elias said. You're born with something already in you. And it's almost like a, a, a predis predisposition of dissatisfaction. And it's the job of the church, really, to help us all to put that back. To put appreciation back in first place. How do we do that? By getting your focus absolutely back on God by starting to do your job, right? So you analyze yourself this morning. I'm going to give you three simple steps that you, you can do right now. They're simple and easy to do. And you can get boredom out of your system. First one, enthrone Jesus Christ. Adam made a big mistake. God's failed to be number one. And I want to say to you this morning, just answer for yourself and think about yourself. Is Jesus number one? In all your decisions, in everything you do, is it truly WWJD? Is he really number one? And if he isn't, what, you remember what we said a few weeks ago, a throne only has room for one. Only has room for one. Your heart has only got room for one. And it needs to be God. That's the first step you can take to correct what happened in Genesis. The second step you can take is begin to obey authority. And by that, I mean God's authority and also the authority of men, the church, your pastors, your cell leaders, your disciples. They're both important. Remember, why did Adam fall? Because he listened to another voice. And time after time, I won't go into it this morning, but I could tell you a thousand stories of people whose lives get messed up. And you talk to them, how did you end up there? So often, a snake came along, told them something, said something, and they accepted it when God had, you know, already stated his case. So enthrone Jesus as king of your heart this morning. Secondly, if in any way you do not obey him, or if you have a rebellious streak, within you, get rid of it. Get rid of it. Don't have it in you. And lastly, and probably most importantly, 
make sure that you are spirit-filled. A person who is spirit-filled is fulfilled. And a person who is fulfilled is not, is not bored. Right? Make sure that you're spirit-filled and God himself will see you through. Do you know the devil has things in me? I know some of you aren't comfortable with that. Some of you don't like that. You think you shouldn't say that. <laughs> like Pastor Elia said, he's, there's things in him that he needs to deal with. Let me tell you something, friends. There's things in me. And if you don't mind my saying, I probably think there's things in you too. And those things is the whole purpose of this series. It's to get them out and to keep on unpacking until we get to the place where we can pray and know that we have an answer. One John. Right? When our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God, knowing that we will receive whatever we ask. And to my shame, friends, to my great shame, there are so few occasions in my life that I can actually say, and I'm a praying man, I pray like all the time, but there's so few occasions that I actually know that I've walked in and prayed and known you know, where a miracle has happened or this has happened. But it's always based on the same thing. That. Jesus saw Satan coming. He said, the prince of this world is coming. And he's got nothing in me. Hallelujah. Let me give you an example of what I mean. About 20 years ago or so, I'm sitting in a train station. This girl's in trouble. I'm traveling from Dublin to Cardiff. And she comes over, so I actually give her all my money. Everything I've got. I've got a ticket to get me home and I get on the train and I say to God, oh, I hope that was the right thing to do because I've got a long journey to go. I've got a boat to catch. I've got my tickets. And it was a night ferry, you know, I was going to be traveling all night. And I said, I'll get off the train in Cardiff and I'll, I'll just walk home. But look after me, God. So I got the train to the ferry, got on the ferry, got off in Hollyhead and got the night train. I got, praise God. Nothing's gone wrong. All I got to do now is stay awake. Till I, a bit like Friday night. <laughs> All I got to do now is stay awake until I get to Cardiff. <laughs> I fell asleep and I woke up in Newport, 70 miles outside Cardiff at four o'clock in the morning. I got off with my rucksack. I look around, this train station's deserted. There's nobody anywhere. And I thought, oh no. I can't walk 70 miles, I've got no money. And it was one of those moments in life where this takes center stage. Because you know what, I wanted an answer to prayer and I wanted it now. And I turned to God, even as a young believer, and I said this to God, God, is there anything in me? Is there? What have I done? I was a bit mad, you know. <laughs> is there anything? If there is, you know, I will repent of it now. I didn't shout. I will repent of it. But I don't think there is. I don't think there is. Is there? Therefore, God. The Bible says, if a man regards iniquity in his heart, God won't listen to him. But God, there is no iniquity in my heart. I don't believe that. So therefore, I can pray, right? And you can get me home. I put my rucksack down. God, please get me home. I opened the train station, swing doors, and there was a van sitting there, a W.H. Smith's van, delivering papers. I walked up to the guy and I said, I thought this was my deliverance, you know. 
I said, I need to get to Cardiff. He said, I can't take you there. Oh. He said, tell you what we'll do, get in. I'll take you to the motorway. Oh, great. So I got in. We drive off. Get to the motorway. I climb out. Thanks very much. Put my rucksack on. Police car. What are you doing? I said, I was going to hitchhike to Cardiff against the law. You're not allowed to hitchhike. Oh, sorry, I didn't know. Get in. He said, I can't take you to Cardiff, but I tell you what I'll do. I'll take you to a roundabout. I'll drive down and I'll come back. So we talk on the way. It's about 45 minutes. It's now about a quarter to five in the morning. I get out of the police car on the roundabout. I look over and there's a layby. And guess who's sitting in the layby? My flatmate in his car. And he looks at me getting out of the police car. And he's like, what are you doing? I said, what are you doing? So I go over to him and I said, look, it's a long story. What are you doing here? He said, well, I was taking my mother to Heathrow Airport and I didn't want to sleep in. So I just came out. I went around the ring road. I pulled up here to have a smoke and there's you. And he took me home, train station door to my home. God did not make you for a boring life. But the devil seeks to put something in you that blocks answers to prayer. And it's the job of this word right here to make us wise to it. It's a lamp unto my feet. So let that word shine in you this morning. What are the three things you're going to do? Enthrone Jesus Christ again as the Lord of your heart. Submit to all authority from God and in any church that you're in. And be spirit-filled. And you'll not get bored and you won't be susceptible in any way in this problem. Amen? Let's stand to invite the worship team. Jesus. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. Just close your eyes and focus. Do what Adam didn't do. Focus all your heart, all your strength, all your energy to enthrone Jesus Christ. Lord, we know there are many things that can take the place of you in our hearts. And we repent of those things. We unpack this morning. We take it out of us, Lord, in Jesus' name. And we place you on the throne. Come, be our king, our resident king. And God, if there's any rebellious way within us, like Adam obeying a foreign voice, forgive us for that. We commit to obey you and obey our earthly leaders also. Let's just raise our hands. And God, if we lack the infilling, the presence of your spirit, would you grace us with the Holy Ghost this morning? Thank you for listening to today's program. I trust you have been blessed and edified by what you've heard. I want to ask you to do something, and that is to become a partner with us here at Preparing the Way. By doing so, you can help us to take these essential messages out to many other nations, many other people around the world. You can become a partner by visiting our website, preparingtheway.tv, and there you will find many ways that you can join up. Folks, it is a pleasure and an honor to partner with you in bringing in the end times harvest. God bless you, and once again, thank you for listening.